What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. It is Dog Talk with your host, Holden. Glad to have you here as we get rocking and rolling in a new episode. Listen up. We are previewing, excuse me, we are reviewing. We are way past the previewing part. We are reviewing the UT Martin win 48-7 to this past weekend. Uh, obviously, this game went final Saturday. I am wearing the Georgia hat, but I am wearing the blue polo. And uh, I guess you'd just call it remembrance of the navy-colored Skyhawks that came to town, mainly because I didn't want to change shirts that I was wearing. Uh, so that's why I wore this shirt. But anyways, hey, we're glad to have you guys here into the show. This episode is obviously all surrounding, if you see the name of the episode there, this episode will be all surrounding uh, the the game it's all going to be previewing or excuse me reviewing i keep going back to that previewing state all reviewing the game over ut martin this weekend 48 to 7 there's plenty of talk about man on twitter this this weekend it was kind of falling apart and you're going to understand why as we get into this for you guys who were able to watch the sh- watch the game i mean i had to go to town just to watch the game no signal out here don't have good internet uh so i had to drive all the way to town to be able to actually watch the game because it was on only on a streaming platform and i know every team has to do it at least once a year i hope that's the way that it stays where it only happens once a season that every single team has to go through this where they have to stream one i wish it wasn't that way but that's the way it is and everything seems to be gearing that direction so Nothing that we can do about it, but luckily I was able to go to town and utilize someone else's internet, thanks to the in-laws, and uh, was able to watch this entire game. That way we can come and bring this information to you. But Dogs on Top 48-7, it did end up being a night game. I tweeted this out uh, beforehand, obviously, that the game would be played at Sanford and, and my my usual graphic that I do uh, and said that we would be under the lights. And somebody commented on, on Twitter saying, uh, you know, it doesn't get dark till 8.30, right? Yeah, we were still playing football at 8.30. So it was fun at the start of the fourth quarter to see everybody light up Sanford Stadium and, and that atmosphere, which was awesome. And, and listening to Kirby in his post-game press conference speaking about how elite the fans were, the fact that the fans came out and gave a great experience, not only for the players, but for the game itself. Uh, that was good to see. Let me get one thing off of the chest as we get things started here. Before we get to some of this conversation of the game, part of this being some injuries, because my goodness, we had a lot. Let's talk about Mike Boba. Because all I saw was everybody up in shambles. Let's get rid of Mike. Oh, we're back on the Mike Bobo train. You know, this is what you get when you get a Mike Bobo offense. First of all, let's take a break. Everybody just take a breath. Because, yes, there was a time there where it looked like, what are we doing? Because Georgia did not get off to the fastest start in this football game at all. It's 7 to nothing after one quarter. It's 17 to nothing at the half. Looked like we should be up way more. Part of this, I think, is because of some of the games we're going to talk about later when we kind of look at some other games around the country. But you had some big games that were going on around the country. And I think when you're looking at a, a couple of other scores that are going on, Oregon putting up 81 points, you know, that had already happened before us. A Notre Dame who put 56 on the board. And these other teams who are absolutely throttling guys like they should be. And then you look at the defending national champions and you're only up 17 to nothing. Yeah, that kind of made us concerned as Georgia fans watching this game. But we have to take a deep breath. We have to take a breath. And here is part of the reason why that I'm about to tell you is all of the injuries that we are battling. Now, yes, it is next man up. The next man has to step up in all positions that we have that are out right now. That has to happen. But when you have a running back room who Kendall Milton is your – starting running back 
and he's playing at 90%. He's not 100% in this game, so he can't always go. Dejon Edwards, we never saw in this football game due to injury. Kind of what we expected in that, not seeing him. But behind that, you have guys who have never stepped foot on a college football field and ran the ball at all. At all. Hasn't happened. Now, our freshmen getting on the field and showing up in big ways and making big splashes in the college football era, absolutely. It happens all the time. But we have to kind of temper our expectations for our freshmen to come in and do exactly that. Okay, and I know that's kind of hard to say. Uh, again, you're coming off back-to-back national championships. So our levels are here where we're like, man, we, we should be playing right here. We should be top dog throttling these guys, putting 70 points on the board in the first half. And that's just not necessarily what we're going to have. Like we talked about coming into this season, we have to temper expectations a little bit because if Georgia doesn't win this national championship this year, if we don't do the three-peat, which everybody believes that we should do based on the scheduling and everything else that lines up in front of you, we have to temper expectations and understand that if we don't, it's okay. It's going to be okay. At the end of this game, everything was okay. But halfway through it, my goodness, you'd have thought we need to fire uh, – Uh, Mike Bobo, and we need to start over on quarterback with Carson Beck because everything that I saw on Twitter was that, was everybody just absolutely falling apart over this football game because Georgia was only up 17 to nothing at the half. Okay, so I want to – let's just pump the brakes on it. Listen, Georgia threw for almost 400 yards, actually did throw for 400 yards in this game. We're about to dive into it. Carson Beck turned things around in the second half. Yes, was it a slow start? Was it a rusty start? Absolutely. But you're going to see why as we kind of dive into this game. So let's hold off on the fire Bobo at the start of this. Let's hold off on the Carson Beck drama of we we may have bigger quarterback issues than we thought we had. Take a breath. Take a breath. We're going to be okay. Okay. Here's the injuries. Kendall, we talked about it. 90% is about what he's playing at. Kirby said in the postgame presser that he's kind of, you know, everything kind of started tightening up on him later. So they kind of tail back on him to John Edwards he said he probably could have went but he was lesser than than Kendall was coming into this game so credit for Kendall to get out on the field and still make some pretty big pretty big plays for us there smile Munden he did play a little bit same with Kamari Lasseter it was good to see those guys get out there didn't get a ton of reps for him but they did get on the field which is important uh, especially as we get the season started it was nice to see Dan, Dan Jackson back out there obviously not being on the field last year due to injury it was nice to see him back out there hopefully he can kind of get back into his 2021 form the way that he was playing in 2021 because that was elite uh, obviously if you watch the game you were able to see Lab McConkey never stepped foot on the on the field he was dressed in a jersey, but uh, no pads. I think he just had normal kind of street pants on as well. So, Lab McConkey, he's battling a back injury. We somewhat touched on this in the previewing of this game that Lad's battling some injury, don't know the extent of that. And sure enough, we see here on Saturday, he does not touch the field at all. Uh, don't really know what that means moving forward because Lab was our biggest production in the wideouts room last year so you depended yet again you depended on Brock Bowers and my goodness we're going to talk about him but you depended on Brock Bowers and then you depended on a couple of returning guys from other schools some transfers that we had come in so you didn't have your elite wideouts that were on the field the entire time Uh, Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint this is one other question that was asked we did not see him on the field on Saturday and Kirby was asked about that and Kirby said that there's an internal issue with uh, Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint that kept him from the field and he knows what he did but they are disciplined internally what that means I don't know I don't know what he's done Uh, I think they said that it's not anything that has to do with outside of the football room so I think it's just some disciplining within the football team whatever it is that he has done there I'm not going to make speculation towards it because I don't know 
And I think it should be that simple. Instead of us speculating, thinking what it is, we don't know what it is. Let it be. Kirby's handling it, so let him handle it. So that's kind of that's the biggest part of this. We have a ton of guys who are still out, who are not in their key positions. And also in the first half of this football game, I don't think Georgia was putting everything that they could out on the out on the field. And I don't think you have to. I don't think that you have to come out in the first game of this football season and put everything that you've got as if you're playing TCU in a national championship game in December, or excuse me, in, in January. I don't think you have to put all of that on the field in game one against UT Martin. So I don't think Georgia necessarily pushed a ton on the field the first game of the season. Rightfully so, and understandably so, if you think about it in that way. Why in the world would we put everything out there? You shouldn't need that. Now, there's some other things that we are going to need uh, as we get into the game. Hey, great, great, great game overall by the end of it. When we got to halftime, it it didn't feel that way, but great game uh, overall. Hey, I appreciate you guys being here. If you guys are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up. Give us the like and make sure to subscribe to the channel. Wherever you guys are listening on podcast, I greatly appreciate it. If you guys want to leave a review there as well, give us those five stars. I greatly appreciate it. Let's get into the game. Into the previewing of the game, Georgia 48-7. Again, 17 to nothing at the half, but really scoring two touchdowns in the second quarter, or third quarter, excuse me, two more and a field goal in the fourth, put it up 48. Brock Bowers looked really good in this football game. Really, really good in it. And you, I mean, my goodness. The dude himself running, he only ran it one time. One time, but he gets a touchdown that way. But 77 yards through the air. He was the leading uh, receiver for the dogs. So right behind him, Makai Muse. This dude right here, I was. We, we watched him in the spring game. If you watched him in the spring game, he had some electric plays. He's not necessarily the biggest dude. So when you watch him out on the field, you're like, what is this guy doing playing for the University of Georgia? Well, I'll tell you what he's doing. He's playing with some heart. Because I have not seen a player get on the field, run as hard as he does, does everything that he is doing as hard as he possibly can to prove to you why he deserved to be on the field. And that's the reason he's there. Kirby Smart said that even in his presser as well. He's a guy who showed out when it mattered in camp he showed out in the spring game and it's not necessarily just showing out but it's practice coming up and leading up to a game you have to be able to continue that trend of showing what you can do proving that you deserve to be on the field taking punt reps which he did the entire night and did well receiving the ball he did a great job in this game as well again second leading receiver had a touchdown big touchdown i think it was like 60 something yards uh, that he had on a screen play that he busted through for Carson Beck's only touchdown in there. But nonetheless, he kind of lit things up, and I was I was impressed. I was proud for him. I was excited for him because sometimes you're not necessarily sure what you're going to get out of a guy uh, in that that you don't just don't see uh, very much. But nonetheless, then we kind of get into Carson Beck. Carson Beck had a pretty good night on the night. He goes 21 for 31, 294 yards, almost at that 300-yard mark. I should have pulled up and seen exactly what it was for his first half stats in comparison to his second. We talked about this in the preview. We didn't really think we were going to see Carson Beck much in that second half, and we did. We saw him a good bit there in the third quarter before late. I think right there when you get to the fourth quarter, that's when we got to see Brock, and we even got to see Gunner in this game. So it was fun to be able to see all three quarterbacks in this. But he had to knock some rust off. This is another thing you guys have to kind of take a deep breath on and say, the guy has not played competitive football in a competitive atmosphere since 2019 with exception to the small amounts of mop-up duty that he had last season. Last season, he got a lot of reps being able to come in in mop-up duty, but it wasn't games that necessarily mattered. These games generally were already taken care of and in hand by the time he got on the field. Now, it's still meaningful reps, just like we talk about with these other guys. When, when you get them in later in the game, 
it's still meaningful reps. It doesn't mean that they don't matter because you still got to get on the field as a collegiate athlete, get on the field and, and produce and show what you can do in an atmosphere, whether the game at that point is out of hand or not. You still have to be able to get out there and do that. And he did that, again, knocking off some rust at the beginning. But in the end, he, he throws for almost 300 yards a touchdown, even showed a little bit of that wiggle right there on the touchdown run that he had kind of reminded me of some of what Stetson did last year so it was fun to see him through for almost 67 percent in this average almost 10 yards actually I think averaged over that on the adjustment adjusted average uh in this game so he actually looked good you know the first half again it was kind of one of those man he we kind of want to see more from him we're hoping to really see him light it up and we were running the ball a lot one other thing that I did want to mention on this is even though we were running the ball a lot it didn't seem to be very effective. We were not getting very much push on that O-line. The O-line has a long way to go. We've got a lot more work to do than I anticipated us having. You know, we've talked about the couple of scrimmages that we've had where one seemed like the D-line got the better of the O-line, and then the other, the O-line got the better of it. Me coming into it, I anticipated, hey, this O-line is going to be very successful. I anticipated this O-line being one of the best in the country, and they still may be that. But in game one against UT Martin for the first half of this football game, we got a lot of work to do. We still got a little ways to go uh, before we get there because we were really not getting very much push. Some of that I do want to credit to UT Martin's defensive line because interiorly they did a great job stopping Georgia's run. On the outside Georgia, when we got to the perimeter, we were able to actually bust loose for a few plays uh, of 10 plus yards on a couple of plays there so that was at least good to see uh, but we still got a lot of work to do on that o-line that's kind of a question that we're going to have moving forward let's see how that o-line gets pushed interiorly and see what we can make happen but the offense did did start kind of slow luckily like i said there in the second half we really kind of got things uh rocking and rolling which i was glad to see let's look at some of the keys to the game really quick before we jump into some of the others some of the things that i did want to see in this game was this exactly offensively run the rock again it kind of took us a minute where i wasn't too sure i just really wasn't too sure is this is are we really just going to continue to try to run this up the gut and hope that this kind of works out and for a while there it really wasn't again for the first half i wish i'd have broke this down and done the splits of what the first half and the second half we end the night 159 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. So, in the end, it looks like, hey, we, we ran fairly effectively considering we had three touchdowns. One of those was only for three yards. So, they're not necessarily the longest runs. Brock Bowers had a three-yard run. Carson Beck had a four-yard run. The runs that we had were not necessarily large. Roderick Robinson, he did good. Two-yard run. So, total right there, the three rushing touchdowns that we had was nine yards worth of rushing just in those touchdown runs alone. Now, obviously, it has to add up before that to get down the field the way that we did. But we ended up rushing it 30 times for 159 yards, three touchdowns, and ended up with 28 first downs on the night. On the other side of the ball, UT Martin, they ran the ball the same amount of times we did and not much less than we got. 132 yards is what they got on the ground, whereas we got 159. Now, most of their rushing came from their quarterback. Their quarterback did a really good job of uh, extending plays and being able to make plays last a little bit longer for them. And gaining yardage, I think most of their running actually came from the quarterback having to run the ball. But Georgia running the rock is that positive. We end up 159 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, wasn't really balanced in this one. We threw the ball for a lot more than we did uh, running the ball. Um, so, I mean, running the rock, eh, 
I don't know if I really give that a check mark to the keys to the game, but we did it. Carson Beck was the other. He was the other key to the game. I wanted to see him be able to come into this game uh, and see what he could do. Again, first half, took a little while to get that rust knocked off, but in the end, he did that again. 21 for 31, throwing for almost 300 yards, six yards shy of 300 yards, had a touchdown, and was smart with the football. That was the last thing, playing smart, not fumbling the ball, not turning the ball over on special teams, not – throwing interceptions we didn't have that we had a couple of rough passes from Carson in this game and a a couple of other quarterbacks too but for the most part we played pretty smart we had one fumble on a on a ball that I've never in my life seen Carson Beck fumble but a guy hit his helmet perfectly on the football and luckily we fell right back on it so we did those two things Carson Beck in the end he had a great game Turns out to be checkmarking on that, and then we played smart. And then we jump over defensively. Can we create depth? That means getting other guys in the game, in these positions where we're struggling at, where Kamari's had trouble, where Smile has had trouble, where Dan Jackson has been at, where some of these guys have not been in their normal position. Can we create the depth? And we saw that all night long. Georgia had plenty of new faces, plenty of new names with jerseys on the back that were showing up on the field. And that was a great thing to see. Have it great. How did we do on that? We ended up with one interception. It was late into the game. It was actually a pick six uh, as well. Let me look down and and get my name right here. Karan Jones, he ends up with a 26-yard pick six that was tipped. Again, listening to the poster post-game presser, excuse me, from Kirby. You know, he was talking about that was more luck than it was anything on a tip ball, but you still practice tip ball drills for a reason, and this is one of those. Again, pick six, 26 yards, we'll take it. But as far as affecting the quarterback, I think we had quite a few rushes, but I think we also had like four tackles for loss. No sacks on the night, no sacks. So didn't really see that. As far as communication goes, this was one big thing that I kind of noticed at the beginning of this game. This this game, especially the first quarter, but the first half felt like the slowest football game I've ever seen. I don't know if you guys noticed that same thing, but it just felt really, really slow. It didn't feel like Georgia was really pushing the ball very quickly on offense, but on defense, it felt very slow too for UT Martin. They weren't really pushing the ball down our throats trying to get the game going really fast or anything like that either. But what I saw in them doing that, What's communication? I saw a lot of that. I saw uh, uh, Pop, who, who Jamon Dumas Johnson there, that's what they call him. I saw him quite a few times, you know, coming up to the line, throwing his hands in the air, guys communicating, looking around, speaking to each other, and communicating and kind of preparing for the play that was coming from the offense across from them. So we got to see a lot of that communication, which was one of the keys, too, that I wanted to see on defense. Let's see how this works, too. Let's see how this happens. So as far as the keys to the game there go on defense, creating dip, check mark think we did good have a great so so about like running the rock on offense and then communicating saw that very well so that was good to good to see on the game again overall georgia 159 yards on the ground three touchdowns in our passing total looked really good on this game 23 for 40 is what we end up on that throwing for 400 yards two touchdowns again the game just felt slow but the second half we really really picked things up as we kind of got things moving uh one other thing that i wanted to mention as far as the quarterbacks go and in our passing how we end up at that 400 yard mark Brock Vandergriff comes in after Carson Beck. He looked really good. He looked very comfortable in the pocket. And listening to Kirby talk before this game as we were previewing it, but also listening to him talk in the postgame presser, you know, he he has told you time and time again, Carson Beck's the guy. He's the guy who we believe gives us the biggest and best opportunity to win football games. Same reason he went with uh, Stetson Bennett last year. Same reason we're going with Carson now. He's got the mental capacity, and he knows what's going on on this football field. But he told you. 
do not sleep on the fact that Brock Vandegrift and even Gunnar Stockton are prepared for this game as well. They're prepared for every game. Those guys are right there behind them, and they're working hard to get to that position. And when Brock Vandegrift came in the game, this is generally when you see a backup start to kind of get into the game. You wonder, okay, how much of a drop-off are we about to see right here? And when Brock came into the game, you didn't see that at all. At all. He was very, very comfortable being in the pocket. He was very, very comfortable calling plays and even some checks and reads before the ball was ever even snapped. So it was nice to see him comfortable in there. And he made some really good passes. He ended up throwing for 77 yards and had a touchdown on the night two out of two for three passes. He threw the ball three times, two of which were completed. One of those is a touchdown. So a great night for him coming in. And then, unfortunately, I think there was a uh, there was something that happened that, that – uh, should have had a first down, and we ended up not. Um, I think he he really should have probably had another drive with the ball in his hand, but it didn't. But then Gunnar Stockton came in, three for five, 29 yards is what he ends up doing. But he ran the ball. He ran the ball pretty effectively uh, after that, I think 18 yards on just a couple of rushes. But to see his legs was nice too. You kind of have a blend of, of three different quarterbacks where Carson Beck, very smart with the ball, has the arm talent to be able to throw it well, can run when he's needed to, and he did those things. Uh, Brock Vandegrift comes in. He seems pretty smart with the football, too, has a nice arm, can run a little bit if he needs to as well. And then you get to a gunner who I think is still learning as far as the mental side of the game goes, has supposedly the strongest arm out of all three, according to the to the commentators last night, which I'm not too sure about. I mean, I know Aaron Murray was up there, and, you know, you kind of, with a former player that, that's calling the game like that, it kind of, I'm not saying that it diminishes it, but it does make it kind of, different when you hear a guy who used to play for you that's coming in uh, on the game but supposedly Gunner has the best arm but it was nice to see his legs uh, and and him running in the game he looked really good some of your leaders on the night Kendall Milton did end up leading 53 yards on the ground Roderick Robinson right behind him at 50 he had a touchdown Carson Beck did have the one three yard rush Andrew Paul getting in the game 18 yards uh, let's see, Cash Jones had five yards on the ground. Stockton ran it twice for 18 yards. And then, obviously, the Brock three-yarder. Then you have the receiving category. Cash Jones did receive it four times for 24. Brock with the 77 yards. Michael Muse, we talked about 75 yards, that one touchdown. Oscar Delp had 24 yards on two touches, one of which was a touchdown uh, as well, which was nice to see. Rara Thomas looked pretty good in this game, 56 yards, 57 for C.J. Smith, one big catch in there, Dominic Lovett, 25 yards. So that was looking really good on the defensive side of the ball. uh, Malachi Starks looked really good in this game. Again, eight total tackles. Tyke Smith in there, six. Javon Bullard, four. Some of these guys being able to see them back in the game was nice to see and exciting. As far as the kicking side of the ball goes, Peyton Woodring really gave all – he really did all the kicking. Uh, Brett, obviously, you still have there as your punter, but he did good on the kickoffs as well as the uh, as the actual extra points there. One boying it off the side. But overall, 48-7, to again, just a slow football game to start, and I think a lot of that, again, we're looking at other scores around the country, but we're also basing it off of how well we were able to light teams up last year, and I just don't think Georgia's going to put everything there is to put on the field against a UT Martin team that you don't have to do that. You don't have to. You're up 17 to nothing at the half. Big whoop. At the end of the game, it's 48 to 7, and you can't complain about a 48 to 7 final on it. So we've gotten to the keys to the game. We've gotten to all that. That's kind of how we line up uh, in this game. Again, you can't be mad about a 48 to 7 victory. There's just no point in it. What's the point in being mad about it? But overall, I think Georgia looked good in the end. Slow start. 
knocking off some rust. Got some things we got to figure out, but we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We got plenty of games to play. There's a reason you don't play one football game and that ends the season, right? So we got Ball State next week. We will tune in later on into the week where we will come back and we will preview that game. Now, let's get into some of the other games uh, that are going on around the country and that have actually already gone on around the country, one of which was Thursday. We were talking about uh, the Florida-Utah game as it was going on. Of course, Utah does end up prevailing in that one, 24-11, which was good. Then we get into some of the other bigger games. There's actually some games going on tonight, too, which I'm looking forward to watching. But you had some of the other games that were going on. Ohio State-Indiana, a game. Again, a lot of the games we're going to watch is just because college football's back and you want to watch. Ohio State and Indiana, 23-3. If we felt we're at home, things are going pretty slow, we should be scoring more. Ohio State, I guarantee you felt that same way, 23-3. to Even though they're on the road in Indiana, it was a slow one. Watching that game was really slow, kind of getting going. Uh, but, again, I think Ohio State has a lot more offensively they've got to figure out. Listen, when Georgia starts to get some of these guys back, when Marcus Roseman, Jack Saint, whatever's going on there, when he gets back on the field, when Lab McConkey gets back on the field, when Kendall Milton's healthy, when DeJon Edwards healthy, when all of these guys get back on the field, when that time comes – you will start to see Georgia's offense become explosive again. 48-7 to is still explosive at the end of the night. If you beat a UT Martin, a Ball State, a UAB by that, that's fine. Look at, look at the years past. I mean, you're talking about like a 56 to nothing over UAB, and, and that could very well happen by the time we get to it. There are other games that we're going to look slow at times, but we've got to get guys healthy, and these younger guys have to knock the rust off. They've got to get better, so take a deep breath. We're going to be okay. Back into some of these other ones, and this is part of the reason I think that Georgia fans were looking at the final to some of these other games and how bad these other teams were beating them, and it, you started wondering, well, do we have a problem offensively? No. Ole Miss beats Mercer 73-7. to Oregon beats Portland State 81-7. to Michigan 30-3. to That wasn't a very big win either. Notre Dame 56-3. to you know, you have some of these other bigger ones where it was like, wow, these are huge scores. You see it, or USC, 66-14. to 14. For a little while, I was like, well, there goes their defense, giving up a lot again, but they stopped that, and offensively, they kept things going. Oh, well. But some of the other big games that were going on, one of which we got to talk about, and I have to retract what I said, and I told you guys, I would eat crow on a game if there was something that happened where I was like, mm, I was wrong about this. And that's Colorado. I told you guys coming into the preview of this last week and looking at some of these other games that are going on, Coach Prime does a lot of talking. And until he can walk the walk, the talk don't matter. Well, guess what? He walked the walk on Saturday. I've told you guys before, I think TCU has taken a step back this year. They come into this season ranked 17th. But that's no matter. You're still talking about a team who played for a national championship last year. They lost a lot off of that team. It doesn't matter whether it's staff and players. They lost a lot. But Colorado has completely revamped everything. Prime has revamped everything over there. He has taken a whole new coaching staff. He's told kids to leave. He's brought a lot of kids in. And again, I told you guys, he's got to walk the walk before the talk matters. And he walked the walk against TCU. They get a huge win, 45-42. to On the road at TCU, huge game. That's all there is to it. So far, he's walked the walk, and it's back in the talk. He told us. So I eat crow on that, and I told you guys if there's any uh, ever a time where I need to do that in a situation, I'm going to do it, and I'm doing it right here right now. Uh, shout out to Coach Prime on that one. Huge game 
uh, there for Colorado. LSU, FSU, they play tonight. So that is another one that we're going to uh, go back to. And once we get to the picks here in just a minute, um, you'll see I have not updated those picks. That's because there's still other games that have to be played in this one. Tennessee won 49-13 over Virginia. Uh, let's see. Arkansas, big win. Alabama, big win. Oklahoma, huge win. Texas and Rice, 37-10. to 10. Penn State, West Virginia, 38-15. to 15. Ended up being a much closer game. In the end, Penn State did pull away with it. Uh, North Carolina beat South Carolina 31-17. to 17. Not what I expected, but, uh, I mean, it was an okay game. South Carolina didn't really put the pieces together like they needed to in that game to be able to beat uh, a North Carolina team who's a really good football team. That's all there is to it. And you got to love Mac um, – I um, almost called him Mac Jones. you got to love Mac Brown up there in North Carolina. Such a great coach and just a nice – just a nice guy overall. So that was some of the other big games around the country. Again, we've got some bigger ones that are coming up in the weeks to come, but we also have a huge one tonight. And then I think Clemson and Duke also play tomorrow. So we've got some other big games. Let's get into the weekly picks from this past week, and we'll move forward. So This is what I had, obviously, Georgia and UT Martin. Georgia over UT Martin. I'm going to do that every week. I had Florida and Utah. I did take Utah and minus the four. Bing, bing. So I started off 3-0. and Looks good. FSU, LSU will find out tonight how that one goes. Uh, but then here's where I fell back down the ladder. South Carolina, North Carolina. I did take South Carolina plus the two and a half. Neither of which hit. So right now I'm third, three and two starting the season. Not very great. Three and two starting the season. I'm hoping FSU can kind of round things out for me and make that uh make that number look a little bit better because uh, if if LSU takes care of business against FSU, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be starting off on a wrong foot on my picks. Uh, but nonetheless, it doesn't matter me matter to me much because I still enjoy uh I still enjoy doing the picks and sometimes you just don't get it right. That's all there is to it. Um, so that's what we've got. That's what we've got. Reviewing the UT Martin game, doing our picks, all the games around the country, everything that's going on there. I told you guys last episode that we would come back in and we're going to break down the SEC rankings and how I ended up with them. I've decided I'm not going to do that. Um, and mainly because I think we've talked about it enough. Talking season is over. It's football season. It's time to start the season every game. Every week we're previewing a game, and then we're reviewing a game, and we're looking at all the other games uh, that are going on around the country as well. So that's what we're going to get into later on this week. Again, is previewing games. Uh, and that's going to be Georgia against Ball State. Ball State gave Kentucky a bit of a fit this weekend and we're going to talk about that coming up on thursday so make sure you guys tune in there if you guys are watching on youtube again hit that like button subscribe to the channel i greatly appreciate it. i appreciate you guys listening wherever you do on podcast if you're listening on apple podcast give us that five star review i'll be sure to give you a shout out check out patreon forward slash dog talk if you guys want to support the show um i feel like there's more to talk about but i can't think of it right now instagram twitter at dog talk 20 and we'll check in with you guys uh next go around go dogs